it, it definitely brings out your best competitive spirit out of that because you definitely got to be on your game. And honestly, I think that's, that's when it's the most fun is when you get to compete your ass off. Join the conversation with Tommy Weber. Pro and college baseball coach Tommy Weber brings you cutting-edge interviews and thought-provoking commentary in a weekly podcast dedicated to baseball, sports, current events, and the world. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and TommyWeberBaseball.com. And make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TommyWeberBaseball. It's time to get the conversation started, so here's your host, Tommy Weber. From the Gotham Podcast Studio in the heart of downtown New York City, my hometown, the greatest city in the world, this is The Conversation with Tommy Weber. Welcome aboard on another rain-soaked spring day here in New York City. We've had enough of this rain. We're hoping to get some dry weather. Uh, It's been wreaking havoc with schedules, especially with my golf schedule, although my game is getting in good shape, so watch out. Um, Got a lot to talk about. Got a great guest, but before we do, I want to tell you a little bit about the week that I had uh, last week. I took this opportunity to um, go out to Arizona State and watch Arizona State Sun Devils and the Stanford Cardinal play their uh, three-game conference series. Uh, I have a bunch of guys between Stanford and Arizona State who played with us, who are friends of mine. Uh, and my wife, her stepmom lives out there. So it was really a trip where we got a lot done. And it was great to see the guys. And we laughed for four days. It was fantastic. I want to thank them for their hospitality. And we just, I'm laughing, thinking about how much we were laughing. Um, but I have a couple of observations. You know, um, the reality is that uh, I'm doing this a long time. And I just watch games differently than most people do. So when I go, I always, my, for me, it's always a study of some kind. Um, I'm always watching to see how people do things, how coaches, how managers, how players, Players act at different levels, different contexts, different situations. Uh, Arizona State is fabulous, of course. The facility is ridiculous. It's steeped in uh, history. It's one of the four or five brand name schools in the country uh, that were essentially the founders of what is modern college big time baseball. Uh, probably USC, Texas, Miami, Arizona State, Mississippi State, Ron Polk. Um, those really were the schools that kicked off the modern uh, arms race in big big time college baseball and 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 everyone who plays the game in a power conference today especially conferences like the SEC the Pac-12 uh the ACC those those conferences really owe a great debt of gratitude to those schools because without them um I don't think they'd be playing in the lap of luxury that they are today. It's really amazing. The facilities that guys are fortunate enough to play in uh, and and just um, how wonderful the game is at that level to the players. It really is just, just great. But anyway, um, just a couple of observations. I, I just couldn't help but notice a, a, a few things. Um, and one of the things is, and I've, I've ranted about this before, is the, the kind of controlling nature of college coaches today is really impossible if you're paying attention to miss um now here's a school you know these are schools arizona state arguably has four players on that team that between this year and next year will get drafted in the first round uh, i wouldn't be surprised if a guy you know you know hunter bishop this year and maybe one other guy and you know gage workman and special torkelson next year i wouldn't be surprised if torkelson goes near the top of the draft next year as well um stanford has just an elite team um very very deep um 
these exceedingly uh, outstanding athletes who are just terrific players, so many of them, very, very smart team, really a, a well-schooled team. They know what they're doing. And just I couldn't stop thinking how deep they were. Every pitcher that came out of the bullpen threw hard, had good command, lefty, righty. They were able to match up. They played really, really solid defense and they were a sound club. Um, and having said that, I was, I was struck by, by still the amount of control that's exercised by their coaching staff over them. And, and it was really, um, uh, light was shed on it when, uh, during pregame, uh, after BP, now I don't know what happens before BP, I can only imagine, but after BP, you know, the whole team goes down the left field line, as usual, and college teams just seem to love gathering down the uh, respective lines for some reason, I don't know why, but they do, every team does it, um, and they have one meeting, and then they break off, I think it's between pitchers and players, and they have another meeting. Uh, at which point they afterwards will um, basically do um, the runners will line up on the foul line and, you know, a couple of coaches on either end and they'll mock, you know, throwing to the plate or picking runners off, which is all well and good. It's fine. Um, I don't think it really has any great value, but every team does it. It's like an exercise. It gets guys loose. Fine. They do that. Then after they do that, they have another meeting. Um, and I, you know, I'm counting the meetings now and I'm starting to think to myself, you know, after the last meeting, they all hug, uh, every guy hugs every other guy. Now, I don't think the guys who hit the beach at Normandy on D day hugged each other before they hit the beach at Normandy. I don't think seal team six hugged each other before they went and got bin Laden. And yet Stanford before every game is having four meetings in the outfield and their players are hugging one another. Um, I just thought to myself, this is 54 games into the season. You have four meetings after batting practice. I'm just wondering what it is that your team still isn't getting such that it requires a meeting to remind them what it is they're missing. I don't think the game is all that complex. And I know the guys at Stanford are really smart. So I'm just wondering what it could possibly be that every single game, 54 games, you're having four meetings, and then they go in the clubhouse, and they have another meeting. They discuss spread charts, and I guess the hitters have a meeting, and the catchers have another meeting. And I I thought to myself, you know, I don't know of any better way to send the message to your players that they're not competent, and they need constant supervision than to have perpetual meetings, than to have meetings one after the other after the other to remind guys. And I I may not know that much, but I think I know something about the game. And I just don't know what it is you could possibly cover. 54 games, 56 games, four or five meetings in every game. I, I At that point, you could teach your team, you know, chapter and verse, you know, war and peace. And, I, and I, I thought, you know, if I were a player, I would feel like you think I'm an idiot because you think you have to constantly remind me of every single detail that happened in every single game. They played the night before. Arizona State won in a walk-off situation. And, and this was the irony of, of this whole argument. After all of these meetings, all of the charts, and there are copious charts, it seems like everyone is always writing something down. 
When the game is on the line and Arizona State has the bases loaded, one out, all right? Both outfielders are close enough so that they could throw, the corner outfielders are close enough so that they could throw a runner out at the plate. And the center fielder is too deep. And I'm saying the center fielder is too deep. Center fielder is too deep. And I just thought to myself, you have all these meetings, you have all these charts, you have all this data, you have all this information, everybody's always writing something down. And when it really matters, somebody's not watching where the outfielders are because if there's a fly ball hit to that center fielder and he catches it dead in his tracks, he cannot throw the runner out at the plate and you lose the game. One thing I know about players, every meeting I've ever seen or had, and I've, I've had few of them and I've had to endure far too many of them, Players are great at nodding their heads. It's what they do. They're agreeable. Don't take them nodding their heads for them buying in. Because more times than not, when they're nodding their heads, internally they're saying, God, I can't believe we're doing this again. I can't wait for this to be over. And there is no way that that is somehow good for your ball club, good for your players, or good for the game. The most important thing that you could possibly tell and transmit to your players on a day-to-day basis is that you trust them, that they're good, and that the only way you're going to get where you want to go is if they take you there. You want to empower your team? Trust them. You want to empower your players? Say less. When something happens during a game, address it in the dugout, and once in a while, after the game's over, say, I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. There's not enough of that. And when it happens at the highest level, I can only imagine what's going on at the lower level of Division One, Division Two, and Division Three. I know you're having these interminable meetings down the left field line that nobody wants to take part of. So that's my rant for today. All Having said all of that, it was a great trip to Arizona. Uh, it was great to watch two outstanding teams. It takes nothing away from how good these players are and how good these teams are. They are really, really good. Um, and I had a blast seeing my guys. There's nothing like it. When you reconnect with your players, uh, we had some great food and really just just great time. So, um, okay, back to business here on The Conversation. I got a really good friend of mine and a terrific player. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get as my guest tonight. Carson Coleman, University of Kentucky, SEC. Big right-hander with a big arm and a bright future. Uh, Out on the Cape last year, uh, we met, and um, I was privy to a very, very impressive performance by Carson Coleman. It seemed to me like it took about a month before anybody scored even a run off of him. Uh, He had a microscopic ERA, WHIP, whatever, all, all the acronyms, Carson Coleman had ones that were outstanding. Big live arm. Great command, uh, very very smart. I'm I'm never um, I'm always pleased when I uh, realize that so many of these elite players that I've had the good fortune of being around are also really really bright uh, and really really intelligent players. And Carson Coleman is no exception to that rule. Carson Coleman, welcome aboard, my friend. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So. Um, Talk to me. How do you feel? Um, 
health-wise? Are you all good to go? You're feeling strong and ready for the 800-pound gorilla in the room, which is the draft that comes uh, next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday? Uh, Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I mean, obviously, we kind of didn't work out much with the SEC play and fought sort of postseason. So, uh, I mean, it's been going about two and a half weeks now, just trying to stay healthy and keep lifting, stay strong, and, you know, obviously just stay in shape and keep the arm going and keep it going for whatever may come in the draft or whatever may come otherwise than that. But, yeah, always got to be ready for it. Um, so do you do you shut down the throwing part of your protocol until uh, the draft, or are you still throwing, or is it basically just staying in shape? You know, it's definitely more staying in shape and, you know, doing prehab, trying to do arm care and stay healthy. And maybe, you know, obviously after your last game, and, like, I pitched a lot of our, our last game this year, and it's, it's okay to take it easy a little bit then, mm-hmm. but it's definitely no time to, you know, lit up and, it, it's not a lot of people think that as soon as like season's over, you know, it's good to, you know, just let up, maybe take a week off or something like that. But the bad thing is that's actually worse for you. And then guys actually do end up getting hurt, but maybe, you know, take an extra day off and then you maybe work slightly right back into it. So, you know, where you're ready to peak and be a hundred percent when it comes to maybe getting ready to pitch in minor league ball or be ready to pitch in Cape Cod again this summer. Well, um, I've got not only my fingers crossed, but uh, obviously you're a professional pitcher, and I just I know in my heart that uh, good things. You're going to get a an early phone call um, sometime during that draft, so uh, I I will be rooting and praying for you on that day. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you get to Kentucky. Is Kentucky, you know, you, it's such an elite conference, the SEC, that whenever I have guys on from these big conferences, I love to hear the story. Um, is SEC was it, was Kentucky your dream school, or was there some? How do you arrive at Kentucky? Uh, you know, definitely being a hometown kid, especially in Lexington, Kentucky, where UK is. That's kind of always been my dream school going in. But there's actually one point where um, I picked up pitching really late. I started pitching practically my senior year of high school, and I honestly was extremely new to it. And People sat out a live arm, you know, ball had some run to it. So I kind of picked it up and picked it up quick to where really the first school that caught my, or found me was um, University of Cincinnati. So I actually committed pretty quickly there. And it got to the point where pretty much the summer right before what, what would have been my freshman year, stuff kind of fell better in some other places and some things weren't working out. And we got the new coaching staff in the UK and I kind of reopened up to it. And especially, you know, having the chance to play for your hometown school and especially playing a conference as great as the SEC, I kind of took up on it and that's, that's kind of how I ended up there. And I'm definitely happy. I, I, I did come to UK. Talk to me about the SEC. You know, uh, hopefully you have played in your last game in the SEC. What do you take away from the experience uh, that you've had uh, playing in that conference, uh, it's it's definitely unbelievable. I mean, to the, every single facility you go to, to even the college town itself, and then when it, you got a SEC fan base at places like Arkansas, LSU, and Ole Miss, and all those where the tradition's rich and everything's just 
it, it, it's really cool, and everything's almost a pro atmosphere, especially when you get to play in crowd in front of crowds like that all the time, and just it's an environment, environment and competition. It's just it's dominant. You can't you can't you can't slip up or think otherwise that you can just you know cruise by even if you're in the eighth inning up by five. Anything can change. The switch can be flipped just like that, especially with some of these offenses, especially like Vandy's got this year. But uh, it, it definitely brings out your best competitive spirit out of that because you definitely got to be on your game. And honestly, I think that's that's one of the most fun is when you get to compete your ass off. What what ballpark is the most hostile? <laughs> uh, you know, I'd have to say Arkansas. Really? And let's see. I, I think really the the biggest crowd place I haven't been to yet is Mississippi State, but I have been to uh, LSU and uh, Arkansas uh, and Ole Miss and all those places. And um, Ole Miss definitely has a strong crowd, and they, they might get after you sometimes. And then LSU absolutely packs it out all the time, and they actually have great fans. They're actually really respectable. They'll kind of they'll get loud whenever their teams maybe down or when they. You know they're starting to pick up, and they'll 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 get up for them, but they won't really attack you. But Arkansas, they shoot when you when you're there at BP, they they got already five thousand people there, and they're they're coming at you. You got little kids coming at you, and <laughs> you, you, everywhere you look, you stare at someone, and they'll start screaming at you immediately. And some of them will oh they they make they make uh you know healthy harsh jokes at you, but it's pretty fun, and then, and that was uh, last year was when we went to Arkansas, which was my first ever SEC inning. And honestly, I, I, I was kind of excited about it when I came in. I was, you know, locked in. It was packed crowd at that time. We were like number fourth in the country, and Arkansas was fifth. So I think there might have been like fourteen thousand deep in that. And trust me, when you got fourteen thousand fans doing the where they where they call the hogs, I think is what it's called. Uh-huh. When they do the whoop big dude. Right, right. It's it's hostile. <laughs> that's great. That's great, though, man. Listen, you know what? You no, it's, it's, it's awesome. That's, that's, and trust me, I mean, it, you don't get to see that much. And that's college baseball. And that's why it's so cool. I mean, obviously, you got some of these fan bases and the pros. And I mean, that's the, it's the next coming thing when it comes to college baseball. Absolutely. No question about it. There are a lot of places, you know, you're going to have to wait a long time at some places before you draw 15,000 people. You know, um, you know you, yeah, you're going to have to get to the big leagues in some organizations before you draw 15,000 people. Um, <laughs> tell me, uh, growing up, outside of your family, um, what what were your inspiration? Who were your inspirations? What inspired you to be uh, a baseball player? Outside of my family? Outside of your family. Mm. Did you have a favorite team? You know, if I'm if I'm being brutally honest, I, I don't I don't think I ever ever had a, a true favorite team or was an absolute uh, fanboy of any team. My dad loved the Reds, and obviously that's the closest team we got to Kentucky. But I mean, if I'm I think I was honestly just really kind of self inspired. Obviously, you see some guys in the big leagues, and I don't think it was really until maybe high school where you started watching MLB games and you started watching some of these guys where it's just like, damn, that's, that's pretty awesome when you get right. to watch some of these guys and the way they work. And there's, there's obviously there's nothing like it. And 
I mean, I, I never had any specific guys, but I think it was honestly just the fact, I think it was just baseball itself. I think, like I said, when you watch pro games and you see just how like beautiful the sport is and the, the technique and the skill that takes to actually be true, truly good at the game, I, I think that's just when you look at it, it's like this, this, the sport of baseball is just awesome. And it just makes you want to, you know, be your best at what you do with it. That's a great I mean, it's, a, it's an art. And I, the way I look at pitching, honestly, I mean, some guys obviously are really naturally good. And like I said, I didn't start pitching until really my senior year of high school. And when I first started learning and, you know, the technical part and, you know, trying to get mechanics right. Not that I was mechanic crazy, but I mean, it's, tr- it's truly an art to be elite, especially at pitching and the SEC. And then obviously if you want to move on to pro ball. So let's let's uh, let you wear a different hat. And by the way, the decision to pitch was a good one because I hit you some fungos. And let me just tell you right now, thank God you <laughs> chose pitching. All right, uh, but yeah, I'm let, happy about uh, it too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's let's um, let's let you put the shoe on the other foot here. Um, give me a scouting report of Carson Coleman. Oh, jeez. <laughs> You know, if I was being brutally honest and on the other teams, which sometimes we've actually seen their scouting reports, a lot of them would just say sit on the fastball. And honestly, the way I look at it is go ahead and try because it plays in the SEC. And obviously, sometimes it's not going to be 100% playful. But, uh, you know, my fa- especially being new to pitching, fast, the fastball is just something that really picked up last year where um, my pitching coach, Coach Bellinger, uh, have me move my fingers a certain way, really on the, I guess what you'd say, the center of the baseball, which I know is maybe hard to pick your mind around. But ever since, I just started getting a real high spin rate, and baseball started just running a lot. And our video guy actually did a, a study on my fastball this last week. And um, with data that we have from TrackMan, my fastball actually moves more than 98% of the pitchers in the big leagues, wow. which is you know, it, it's, that's something, I guess. But And then, obviously, um, uh, like I said, being new to pitching, I never really, you know, I wasn't a three-pitch mix, four-pitch mix guy, and I was, you know, picking up a second pitch, and I started getting with it this summer, and it definitely came in to play more this year. Last year, I was definitely just a more fastball-dominant guy, and so, so was Lingo. I remember I was talking to Lingo about it. But uh, Slider finally came in today, or came in this year, and – you know, starting to throw a first strike and get some swings and misses, and I think that's definitely going to be a piece big for me moving forward. But Lingo, uh, of, Lingo, of course, is Zach Lingenfelder, University of Tennessee, who was Carson Coleman's teammate with us this summer, uh, and, and he was with us last summer, 2017, out on the Cape. Uh, also someone who fa- uh, figures to be um, uh, receiving an early phone call in the draft. Um, I, t- you know, you, 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 when you mention Lingo, something I've always been fascinated with, and that is um, the fact that pitchers are almost like a separate team. Um, and that kind of camaraderie that develops amongst pitchers, you're almost like a different, you, you practice a different craft. Uh, and um, when I, on the, the times I'm fortunate enough to either be in the bullpen or be hanging out with pitchers, I'm always, um, I'm always interested in the dialogues that they have and how you guys kind of trade secrets with one another and, and exchange ideas on how to throw certain pitches and how to locate and how to work certain batters and what's your approach. And talk to me a little bit about that, especially since 
you have really kept some pretty exclusive company over the last two years. And of course, another teammate of yours, both in the Cape and in Kentucky, uh, is Zach Thompson, who had a year this year that was completely off the charts and who figures to get a first day uh, phone call in the first round of the draft. Talk to me a little bit about that. Um, you know, I'm kind of happy you brought that up because, you know, especially, for example, Z, uh, ZT, Zach Thompson, and uh, playing up in Cape Cod with guys like Lingen Felter and all those guys, when, you, when you're when you with elite arms, especially like them, it's it's great for when when you're around great pitchers, not just great players, you're gonna you're gonna get better regardless. And especially for a guy like me, it's nice when you get to compare yourself to a guy such as Lingenfelter, where you guys maybe had like a similar fastball, and then you get to learn you know more about what kind of off speeds or pitches or grips would be better for you. And then honestly, when you're just around that kind of good competition, you know that. It's almost like a pro atmosphere. I mean, you got such great pitchers. You're just constantly trying to stay at like a an elite level with all these other guys. You're constantly talking about the mental game of baseball. Like one of the favorite, my favorite things I still talk to or mention to, especially younger guys on like our Kentucky team this year, was something you always said uh, this last summer was a, a lot of pitchers give hitters too much credit. And I mean, like you're a Hall of Famer in the big leagues if you are hitting 300 and that's three out of 10 going three for 10, which means that you going up against the hall of famer. Well, not exactly, but you going against the hall of famer, you're going to succeed seven out of 10 times. Yep. And I, I just think, especially one of my biggest things that helped me a lot this year. And same with ZT is when you got such good enough stuff is you, you can't give a hitter too much credit credit. You just got to yep. compete, throw it in the zone and know that your stuff's better and that you're going to win. And that was a huge thing for ZT especially this year, that, that guy's got absolute unreal stuff. I mean, he's a, he's practically a five pitch mix and they're, they're, they're all pretty, pretty plus pitches and he can throw them all for a strike and they're all just absolutely deadly. And obviously that showed and worked for him this year. And that's why he's going to be a first rounder, which is really awesome. And it's great when you get to spend a year with him. And I actually live with ZT and he's my roommate and a good friend. So it's definitely great to see him you know, get that success. Well, you know, um, nothing warms my heart more than to hear those kinds of stories because, um, you know, you, you, you get, as you know, you, you, you get close to guys and, um, you know, it was, it was really a special, uh, it's a special thing to hear how, when players convey how close they get and how they become such good friends and they respect one another, it is a very, very professional environment that gets created. And there's so much talent and so many guys that are so good down in that bullpen. My goodness, it's one after the other after the other. You're right. It's like being in a great rock band. I mean, you're going to just, by default, you got to play better because everybody else around you is playing so well. Um, and I, I just love the exchange of information. To me, it's like, it's very much... You know, I, I study music and, and I love how generous musicians are. They're always exchanging information with each other. You know, it's really a cool thing about the craft. And when I hear pitchers doing the same thing, it's real. I think that's really, really cool uh, and a great thing to be a part of. Um, and, and, and I think that that's exactly what you guys had down there was this kind of like pitching laboratory that was created organically. You know, it was, it was really uh, and every time I went down there, I was like, wow, this is really a cool environment to be in. Yeah, absolutely, uh, and, that, and that's I, I got I got a ton better over the summer, being especially 
playing in a league competition like in Cape Cod, but mm-hmm. I have to give all the credit to, you know, all the friends you make this summer and when you get close with them and you talk more about pitching, that's what makes you better. Uh, 100%. Especially when you guys are like here at Kentucky, when you're around ZT, you're constantly, you know, got to have almost a pro mentality and, you know, take care of your business and get after it. I want to mention what you were talking about, like at <coughs> Arizona State and the Stanford game with the coaching stuff. You can have great coaches, but when you have a team full of great players, the better teams are always going to be the ones that are surrounded by the players where the players are taking control of other players, you know? I agree. Like this. when the players take care of some of the, the, the little stuff, and I'll, honestly, there's a lot of little things that go into baseball, obviously, but when the players take care of that before the coaches can even do it, that's when you're going to have a really special team. That's a great point. That's a very mature point because I agree with that 100%. Self-policing is everything. can't always come from a coach. Uh, there's no doubt about it that uh, when guys create their own culture, and guys create their own standards, and it's a high standard, yes, then something really special can happen. I couldn't agree more. You know, down in that bullpen, you had a little bit of a, every bullpen does, it's a little bit of an Animal House mentality. Uh, yeah. And the, the headmaster of Animal House was Neil Barbella. Uh, I had dinner with Neil last night, and we were just laughing because I told him I was going to call you and have you on. And, you know, uh, you know, his eyes light up when he talks about his guys and, you know, you guys are like all his guys. Talk to me about that relationship uh, that you guys had down in the bullpen. Uh, no, was, uh, especially you and you know, I love you guys the best, but oh, having you down there, uh, it was honestly, when you talk about the pro atmosphere, I mean, it was kind of the same deal. I mean, you got guys down there, but at the same time, Neil trusted all of us to, um, you know, be ready that we, that we were going to be ready to go into the game, especially at you know, you never know when the shit's going to hit the fan and yep. you got to go in suddenly. And I'll never forget the one time that uh, Adam, I was going to go in for a, for a save. And uh, if I'm being honest, I'm not exactly the guy that has to throw like 20 pitches in the pen before like I'm good. Like I'm right, you know, I'm kind of that's just kind of how I am. And honestly, uh, I like it that way. But Neil, I had Neil stressing out because he thought I wasn't going to be good, and I kept looking at Neil, and I was like, Neil, I'm I'm going to be good, I promise. And I went in there, and it, it went it went went perfect. It was fine. So, I remember that night. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that, that's that was kind of fun, and obviously, you get to it's a it's a relaxing and you know relaxing, but yet obviously serious bullpen, and you get to you know it, it's. It's definitely a better team when obviously you're close with all the players, but it's even better when you have a close relationship and a legitimate friendship with your coaches and especially like, you know, Neil being the bullpen coach that it makes you feel even more comfortable when you have to be ready and come into the game. Yeah, that kind of guy is irreplaceable. Absolutely. No question about it. And invaluable. You can't place a value on, on, on a guy like that. You really can't. Um, no. We are going to we're going to take a break. Mike is going to cue up uh, some music, and we are going to take a quick break, and we're going to come right back with my man, Carson Coleman, as Freddie Mercury plays us out with Queen. Sing it. Singing with my band, across the water, across the land. I've seen every blue eye through 
listening to The Conversation with Tommy Weber. We'll be right back. This episode of The Conversation with Tommy Weber is brought to you by 4momalz.com. Join the fight against Alzheimer's and support our good friends Hunter and Braden Bishop as they bring awareness to a struggle that many families face through their charity, 4mom. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at hashtag 4mom. And for all your mortgage needs, call Northern Security Capital Corp., the New York area's most dedicated mortgage broker. If you're buying or refinancing a home, there's only one place to go. Call Northern Security Capital Corp. today at 718-273-1010. And now, back to the show. So, we're going to play a little game that I play with everybody. It's called Quick Pitch. I'm sure you've done that a few times in your career. You've quick pitched. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, anything you got to do to get it done, all right? So uh, you got to. I'll uh, I'll I'll say something and you give me your your, your first uh, your first response. Okay, you ready? Okay. Yep. Okay. Go to the rosin bag. Do everything you have to do. Get your uh, J bands working. Whatever. <laughs> whatever else you need to get loose. Here we go. Um. All right. Here we go. You ready? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, what is the last show you binge watched? Binge watched. Oh shoot! You know, if I'm being honest, I seriously don't think there's been a show I've been binge watched, especially at the spring. I don't think I've had time. Wow. I, I'm, being, I'm being truly honest. If there was one, even, we'll never even be embarrassed about it. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't have any. All right. What's what's a show that you <laughs> enjoy watching? Um, are you a Game of Thrones guy? Are you? You know, I, my my brother's really big into the Game of Thrones, and so so are a lot of my roommates and guys. I never people. watched I've one never episode. I never watched an episode. Uh, <laughs> I want I, 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 I want to I want to watch them because I, I hear they're awesome, but I, I just haven't. Okay, never even watched one. Haven't got into it. All right, what is your favorite late night snack? It's late. You're hungry. What do you go for? <laughs> oh shoot. Um, my dad usually gets me these uh, Costco brand of like Welch gummies, and I'll literally bring like five of them to the nightstand and be in bed eating gummies. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Um, who? If give me, you, you know, you're on a desert island. What piece of music do you have to have with you? Oh jeez. I'd probably have to say some Rolling Stones. There you go. Classic rock. Classic rock. Stones. Did you come in? Did you have a song? Like, do you have a walk-up song for pitchers? Do they have that? I, well, you mean like a Rolling Stones one? Or are you just talking no, about like, but do the like, pitchers, like a Yeah, do the pitchers have a... Like, when you come in from the bullpen, do you have a song they play? Like, when the hitters leave the on-deck circle, they have their walk-up music? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got, we got, we got walk-outs and... They'll play it like as soon as we got out our bullpens this year at the at the, at our new stadium or like at the ends of the outfield, and as soon as you hit that gate, they start playing it, which is pretty cool. And I last year actually I found a song called Champions by uh, Barnes Courtney. Okay, and I, th- I think it's a serious, you know, sets the tone for like a closer mentality, and right. I, I think a lot of the other guys enjoy it too. But I think it's a I think it's a pretty badass walkout if you ask me. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Hey, listen, if it inspires you, that's what it's all about, right? 
Oh, definitely. You got to get my mind right. I don't care about them. Absolutely. So, um, not you. You're not. You can't be related to them. Not living. Three dinner guests you would want to have. So they can't be related to them. Can't be related to them, and they can't be alive. Three dead guys or girls. Oh, three dead guys or girls. Oh wow! Shoot, Tommy, I'm awful at thinking on the spot. <laughs> you see that? Um, I told you it would be fun. I didn't say it would be easy. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying. I was trying to think of some baseball greats. I, I definitely one of them that. I'm sure most guys would probably sound like Babe Ruth, but the one I'd actually want to have dinner with would be Luke Gehrig, which is actually an old one. Yeah, Luke Gehrig. But, oh, shoot, man. Maybe some General Patton. I don't, I'm yeah, not sure who else I'd say. Okay, that's a good start. I've got, got a huge military family, you know, maybe mix in some baseball and some military. Right. Absolutely. That's an important person, you know, one of the most important people in the 20th century, George Patton. Yeah, absolutely. And my, my uh, sadly, my grandpa, he, he, he's passed, but he was in a, he was in, um, Air Force pilot in World War II. So that was, that was really cool. Really? Wow. So I, I got, I got interest in militaries, but that, that would be pretty cool to talk, sit down and talk to a guy like that. And, so do you think, you think being a part, uh, a, a military family, do you think that that, uh, helped you with respect to like order and discipline and time management and things like that? Oh, a hundred percent. And I, I constantly think about it, even when it comes to a chance to talk to anyone, I, I, I take pride in, you know, just having respect to, even if it's a, you know, military member or any, just, just a normal person you talk to. But yeah, the biggest thing, especially with my, my, my parents are great and they're absolutely, absolutely my role models and I look up to them. And, um, one of the biggest things that I'm happy about being a student athlete and honestly before is the discipline, like you said, like time management and stuff like that. Um, I'm not sure if a lot of people know it, but if you if you attend the Air Force Academy or the the Naval Academy, some of those guys that when they start looking for jobs and stuff like that, they're at the top of the list because those guys are totally disciplined and they absolutely know how to, you know, take care of their work and no no bullshit and they time manage great. And honestly, I try and take as much pride as that possible, especially you know living a busy student athlete life. No, that's going to serve you well in pro ball, man. It really is. That level of maturity and uh, that kind of discipline and also that respect for other people is going to serve you very, very well. And I, and that was, you know, uh, uh, abundantly clear from the, from the moment we met um, over the summer. Let's go back. Let's go back to the SEC. Um, give me, uh, give me. You know, this is going to be it for you. You're going to get drafted. You're going to go play professionally. Hopefully, you have a long professional career. Give me a couple of instances that are going to be when you think back and you're an old guy uh, that you're just never going to forget about your time in the SEC. Oh, jeez. Um, no, if I, if I picked any of them, there'd be kind of a mix of kind of like the last year and this year, and uh, especially going. Honestly, I'll throw, I'll throw one even from my freshman year when we had a, a our first ever Super Regional team, which was really cool. And we had a lineup of guys. I think we were pretty much top two, top three in every single offensive category, like in the country, definitely number one in the SEC. And watching guys like, I don't know if you remember Evan White. Yep, yep, yep. 
one one of my favorite stories about Evan was tech, technically it was a it was a fall game, and I know that I'm, I'm just going to leave this out, but he he was you know predicted to be a first rounder, Team USA guy, and pitchers would sit behind home plate uh, with the the screen, and you know you'd be taking charts and all that kind of deal, and uh, we you know it's just the inner squad, and one team was up two to one, and one runner on first, and Evan came up to bat. And you got all these scouts behind us, and I'm no no jokes. Some of them are kind of older guys, you know, look like they've been around. Right. Some of them are just they're make, they're making bets that Evan's going to hit a walk off home run, and he did just that. <laughs> and after that, especially seeing that from Evan, I was just like, yeah, this guy's the real this deal. guy's unbelievable, the real deal. <laughs> yeah, and I I will not be surprised if he makes it up to the big leagues here really soon. He's been he he won two Gold Gloves and. Uh, his sophomore and junior year in college, which I, I seriously can't express to you how unbelievable it was to watch him at first base. It was, there was nothing like it. And then he's, I think he's already won two more in minor league ball, which is wow. also insane. But besides that, sorry, I don't want to get off track, but um, stuff when it came to SEC, stuff like last year, when you get to come into moments like uh, Arkansas, and, you know, you're, it's, it's your, it's your first time out there. And, uh, I was always a guy that was like at low 90s, and I came out and you know had adrenaline against uh, Arkansas, and I, I started putting up like consistent fours and even popped a five, and uh, it's just like the power of like a place like Arkansas when you're playing at such a legitimate SEC contender. It's like your total mindset just flips, and you absolutely just start getting after it. And I ended up having a real good inning. That was my first ever SEC inning. We we're we were losing, so I only pitched one, but I think I got two Ks and, you know, just got a pop five. But that one I always remember just because of the fact that you're going in, it's your first time, and you got 14,000 fans behind you. It's, it's definitely crazy. It's amazing what, but, that, um, what that adrenaline can do to your performance, isn't it? Absolutely insane. And, and, we, and we saw it happen to new guys this year. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I ever had a I'm, – I'm usually a pretty – calm guy, you know, feeling comfortable when I get out there, but especially when you're, it's your first time as a freshman, you go out against a great offense like Arkansas, and I'm pretty sure I faced pretty much the heart of the lineup, which, yeah, and instead of choosing to be, you know, maybe like scared or anything like that, I just, I just really, you know, locked in and just said I was going to, I was going to get it done, and I, and I did, and I think that was a huge step for me. Yeah, you take those big leaps, especially in games like that. And that's, I think, one of the things that that level provides you. It's these kind of jumping off points where, you know, if you could sum it here, you know, you can get to the next level. And then you sum it at the next level and you can get to the next level after that. I think when you play at such a high level, you're really provided those kinds of opportunities where it's put up or shut up. And at every step of the way, you have certainly put up. And um, I think it bodes well for you. I also think your makeup is suited for pro ball and suited for the ups and downs uh, of, you know, coming out of the bullpen every once in a while. You know, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to get hit around like anybody else would. Um, and I yep. think that you really handled yourself and do handle yourself. You're able to flush it and move on to the next uh, outing. Talk to me just a little bit about how you manage that so well. You know, I'm, I'm actually happy you asked that because especially with having a lot of younger guys on the team this year, 
And obviously, especially as a bullpen pitcher, you, you know how it goes. You, you can have an outing where that's just not your day, and or you can have an outing where it just absolutely lights out. But the biggest thing about being a bullpen guy, and especially for me, which I guess my role more this year was the closer role, you you gotta you gotta do it on a consistent basis. It doesn't mean anything if you just go out there and do it every other time or just a couple of times. But my my parents are you know, my biggest supporters. And if I go out and have a save or have a good inning, my parents will, you know, be very complimentary. I can't even say that. I'm sorry. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I'll, I won't be like not excited and I'll be happy about it, obviously. But, and they'll always ask me like, why why don't you seem more excited? And it's like, I'm happy about it. But it's like, we have a game tomorrow and I got to go back out there and do it again or else that means nothing. Obviously it means something, but you got to still go out there and do it. And even if you have a bad outing, right? people say stuff, be like, Oh, you okay. You pissed off. And it's like, it's done with some, I'm, I'm, I'm past it. And you got to be ready to go out there and actually have a good outing. And that's the biggest thing is about, and like I said, like when people get really big on you and it's like, yeah, it's great. You did it once, but can you go out there and do it again? And that's the biggest thing that I think shows, as your role as a bullpen. Yeah, and that and that's the ability that makes you money. You know, doing it, being able to do it once doesn't make you a lot of money. Being able to do it a lot, mm-hmm. that makes you a lot of money. Um, talking to Carson Coleman, University of Kentucky, getting ready for the draft this coming week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Uh, it's going to be a very exciting three days for a lot of our guys. Really quickly, ZT season this year, just, I mean, off the charts. What was that like to, you know, basically have a front row seat to, to that kind of excellence. I, I seriously can't, probably can't even describe it sometimes, but every single guy is, you know, like you said, it's like a front row seat. Everyone, everyone's jittery to watch him because he's going to go out there and he's going to be the, the same pitcher you get every single time. And it's not even going to be just good. He's going to be great. And I mean, he pretty much gets almost 10, 10 punches a game. He threw uh, two complete games against two elite programs this year in the SEC, which was uh, uh, unreal. And he, uh, I think it was Georgia, he threw a complete game shutout. And I don't, I don't know what it is about him. He, you know he's got good view, but there's something that he can just flip the switch. That, like he knows he's got to do it when he gets to a certain point. Yeah, yeah. I think it might have been like he might have, he was probably close to like 110 pitches, and he was still putting up 94s consistently. And it was like, this guy's insane. Yeah. And then I, he did, he went through a CG against Florida. He was pretty much putting up the same thing. Yeah, I watched it's, that it's game. absolutely crazy. Jeez, that was some game he pitched, man. Oof. That showed yeah. a lot about his makeup, too. You know, he was, you know, you know, sometimes when a guy's that good, you don't see the bulldog in him because he's so dominant. But in that yeah. game, you really did see the bulldog in him. You saw that aggressive kind of competitor uh, that sometimes you're so good you don't get to see as much. You know, it's because uh, yeah, he's not absolutely. fighting a lot. And in that game, he fought, and uh, that was really a, a lot of fun to watch. I mean, that was like watching yeah, a major league pitcher pitch. Yeah, you got to you got to empty the tank when you do a complete game. And right. He, he definitely he definitely does it, and he does it. He's not doing it for himself. He does it for the team. Which, yep. You know how much it helps the bullpen or helps the the team when you go to when you do a CG, especially in SEC play. It's absolutely huge. Yeah, 
He's a, he's a not only a, a, a high-level pitcher, but a very, very high-level guy. Really, really good guy. Really good team guy and a good person. And it's great to see yeah, when, good people, when good things happen to really, really good people. And he's certainly one of them. Um, we are um, just about out of time. I got to tell you something, Carson Coleman. You are sure. you are very good at podcasts. You're not as good. Uh, you're not as good as, at podcasts as you are at pitching. But you know what? One or two more podcasts, and you'll get close. You will get close. So here's what I want you, you to do. You gotta have me on again. I'm going to have you on again. I'm gonna have you on again. Uh, I, I look forward to it. What we're gonna do is post draft. We'll talk. You know, when things settle down, um, and we'll set something up. Uh, maybe have a couple of guys on, you know, and uh, talk about cool. the results of the draft, which I just know in my heart of hearts uh, is going to be a, a, a great, great uh, day, night, whatever it is for you. Good things are going to happen for you. I know it. Um, our show is always, uh, always um, the shirt I'm wearing for mom, uh, Hunter and Braden Bishop. Uh, established this organization to raise awareness, raise funds uh, for uh, Alzheimer's awareness. Uh, we lost my father-in-law a couple of years, and the bishops, of course, are uh, in the throes of a battle against this terrible disease. Their mom is stricken with this disease. So um, if you can, visit the site for mom. Check out Rivet Revolution. We all have these bracelets that we wear in support of Hunter and Brayden and Susie and, uh, and the entire family. And uh, it really is a, 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 just a wonderful charity that... Um, that the bishops have um, founded. And if you can go on the website and check it out and just show some support, it's really, really a cool thing to do. Uh, my friend Carson Coleman, watch for his name to get called in the draft. Carson, I love you, man. I'm really happy that you came on. I got your back. Uh, hopefully we'll all get together and have a dinner soon somewhere. Maybe you'll be with the Yankees and you'll come to Staten Island. And, uh, <laughs> oh, we'll have to. I'll definitely make sure to try and make it happen. Actually, I won't try. We'll make it happen. We will definitely make it happen. Remember, you're always in our heart, man. We're going to be rooting for you next week, big time. Me and Neil will be checking it out. We'll be getting everything in real time, and when it happens, you know, we'll be uh, the first ones to congratulate you. So I want to thank you. Um, Mike is going to play us out. Uh, I hope everybody has a great week. Uh, Mom and Dad, I love you. Cleo, love you. We are out of here. Sing it. Here we go. Thanks for listening to The Conversation with Tommy Weber. Have any thoughts on today's episode? Ideas for a new one? Join the conversation on Twitter at TommyWeberBball or Instagram at TommyWeberBaseball and share your thoughts. Tommy's back next week with a new episode of The Conversation. Subscribe and listen for free at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, CastBox, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Stitcher. And of course, always at TommyWeberBaseball.com. Come.